This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. But I welcome you all here today, the third Sunday after Epiphany. Father, our service received on the way in, beginning on page three with confession and absolution, followed by the sharing of peace and the processional gift. Let us rise.
Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake forgives you all your sins. As a call and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I therefore forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us rise and greet one another in the peace of the Lord.
from the singing of the Alleluia. Servants and followers. 
We continue with the sermon hymn of Christ, our true and only light, on page 10.
the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What do you think of when you hear about the prophet Jonah? What image comes to your mind? Is it that great Sunday school story about a man being swallowed alive by a great fish and living to tell about it? Now, our friend, the great fish, only gets mentioned in three verses in the book of Jonah, but I fear that he distracts us from the greater message of this short book. Although, in a way, I think we, we don't mind being distracted by the great fish because Jonah is a rather disturbing figure. Jonah is a prophet of God living in the northern kingdom of Israel, and God comes to Jonah and says, get up. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because their wickedness has come up before me. And Jonah gets up and Jonah goes, but he does not go towards Nineveh on the Tigris River in what's now northern Iraq. No, Jonah gets up and goes to the port city of Joppa, which is modern-day Tel Aviv, and he gets on a boat to Tarshish, which is likely in modern-day Spain, to get as far away from Israel as he could get on the Mediterranean. Jonah really does not want to go preach to the Ninevites. And it's not because Jonah doesn't know God. Jonah knows God. Jonah knows God too well. Jonah knows that God is gracious and compassionate that God is slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. Jonah knows that God wants Nineveh to be saved. But Jonah does not want Nineveh to be saved. Jonah would prefer they are destroyed because Jonah hates the Ninevites. Now Jonah is not without reason for hating the Ninevites. He's not just being a bigot who only likes his own kind. Nineveh is an important city in Assyria, and the Assyrians are a fearsome people. They're bent on the destruction of Israel. The Ninevites are Israel's enemy. They are known for being especially brutal in war and remarkably cruel to their prisoners before they execute them. This account of Jonah is probably recorded between 800 and 750 B.C., God will use the Assyrians to overrun Israel in 722 B.C. And the ten northern tribes of Israel will be taken into exile, never to return, as a punishment for their ongoing, unrepentant idolatry. At the time of this account of Jonah, the Assyrians have already overrun Damascus in Syria and are now threatening the northern northern border of Israel, And so Jonah has good reason for not wanting to help save the Ninevites. And this is why Jonah is kind of a disturbing character. He's troubling. We want to think, I would never act like Jonah. But we don't really want to look too carefully at Jonah because it's a little too much like looking in the mirror. Jonah knows that God is merciful, but he does not want God to show mercy to the Ninevites. Who are your Ninevites? Who are the people that you do not want forgiven? Is it those idiots in the other political party and their media toadies always spewing propaganda? Who is it you don't want forgiven? Is it evil groups and countries and leaders like Hamas and Iran and the Houthis, Kim Jong-un? Is it the cultural influencers who want access to your children so they can push their godless, hedonistic infertility agenda that rejects marriage and babies and families in order to indulge their every perverse pleasure? Or maybe your Ninevites are closer to home. Perhaps it's that former friend who betrayed you, hurt you, and you fear will hurt you again. 
or your next door neighbor that you've been feuding with for years, or your estranged sister or brother, or your ex-husband or your ex-wife. You don't want to forgive them and you don't want God to forgive them. You want them to be punished and prevented from hurting you ever again. Perhaps it's the one who abused you. And you have every right to hate your abuser. And Jonah has every right to hate the Ninevites. And yet God's grace extends to them. Jonah receives instruction from God to go to the Ninevites. And does Jonah get down on his knees and pray, Thy will be done? No. Jonah thinks, my will be done, and he hightails it out of there, figuring if God can't find me, he can't make me go. But that plan has a flaw. God's, of course, omniscient, all-knowing. He, you can't run away from God. God knows exactly where Jonah is, and once Jonah is on the boat headed for Tarshish, God sends a great storm to shake up Jonah and the men sailing with him. And after trying unsuccessfully to outrun the storm, Jonah tells the sailors to throw him overboard, and the sea calms. We see here that Jonah is not against all foreigners. He's willing to die for these Gentile sailors. Jonah's brave, but he's full of hate. Jonah would rather die than save the Ninevites. And as Jonah is sinking in the sea, a great fish swallows him, and he's inside the fish for three days and three nights. And Jonah prays a prayer put together from a number of different psalms. And in that prayer, he agrees to fulfill the original mission on which God has sent him. And then the fish vomits Jonah up on the beach. And God gives Jonah a second chance. He tells him, get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach to it. So Jonah goes to Nineveh about 500 miles inland, and when he gets there, he preaches this simple message. Forty more days and Nineveh will be destroyed. A simple message from a reluctant preacher. And the reaction is utterly amazing. It's miraculous. The Ninevites believe Jonah. They immediately repent of their evil ways. They put on rough goat hair sackcloth worn during times of grief and mourning. The king declares a general time of repentance and fasting for both humans and animals. The word of God is powerful. Nineveh will be destroyed. This is a harsh word of law. But it's preceded by a bit of gospel. Forty more days. The destruction is not going to be immediate. There's a chance. God's law and gospel drive the Ninevites to immediate and deep repentance. And God sees their repentance and he turns from his anger and he does not destroy Nineveh. We marvel at the Ninevites' immediate reaction of repentance and obedience. It's truly a miracle of God, like the people responding to John the Baptist preaching in the desert, or like the first disciples, Andrew and Peter, James and John, answering Jesus' call and immediately leaving their fishing boats and nets and following him. We marvel because our contrition and repentance is often slow and hesitant. Contrition is sadness and Mourning over our sin and repentance is a change of heart. Turning from sin and turning back to God. We can be slow of heart. And so we marvel at the Ninevites' unhesitating obedience to the message from God. Now you would think that Jonah would be happy. That he is such an effective preacher with his short sermon. But he's mad. He's really mad. Jonah wanted Nineveh destroyed. He knows he's being used as a mouthpiece for God and he does not like it. After Nineveh repents and is saved, Jonah sits down outside the city and he pouts. He tells God, this is why I ran away in the first place. Why did you save them? 
I'd just as soon die. Jonah wants limits on God's mercy and grace. He wants mercy and grace for some, but not for others. Jonah wants his enemies destroyed. We see here how God's grace and mercy, God's love, is boundless. God's mercy and grace is not limited to our understandings and desires. God's mercy and grace truly is for all. It's hard for your sinful side to understand how could God love someone that I hate. But when you take a genuine look inside yourself, you have to wonder, how can God love me? And yet he does. His love is beyond comprehension. He loves you so much. He turns his anger away from you and your sin, and he turns all of that anger onto Christ on the cross. Jesus is your Savior. He paid the full price for your sin. He took upon himself the anger of God. His grace is overwhelming and it comes to you in the power of God's word. Just as it did for the Ninevites. So when you hear about Jonah, do not get distracted by the fish. The fish swallowing Jonah is interesting and it is a picture of Christ emerging from the tomb. But this great fish is just a supporting character in the story. When you think about Jonah, think about his reluctance to bring God's grace and mercy to his enemy. And let that convict you of your your own unforgiving tendencies. Then think of the Ninevites' incredible repentance and God's amazing grace. Remember God's lavish gift of forgiveness Offered to even the worst sinners. The fish story is amazing. But even more amazing is the power of God's word and the miracle of God's love and forgiveness for you. Amen. And now may the peace of God, the peace that is beyond understanding, keep your hearts and minds in true faith. Until our Lord Jesus returns in glory. Amen. We rise and confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. God of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, be God to be made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man. And was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures. And ascended into heaven. And sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead. Whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit. The Lord and giver of life who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come.
come near in Christ Jesus, who does not desire the death of a sinner, but all, but that all would repent and believe the gospel. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the church's mission, that as Christ called Peter and Andrew, James, and John to follow him and made them fishers of men, he would send faithful preachers also in our time. And for those who generously support the missionaries, seminaries, colleges, and other institutions of our church for the spread of the gospel and the service of God's people, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For Christians in every home, that they may have consistency and contentment in their God-given station despite every current distress as the present form of this world passes away. For the married, that God would give them comfort and faithfulness, strengthening them also to pass on the faith to the next generation. And for the unmarried, that assured of the holiness of their place in life, they would live free from anxiety and attend the holiness in body and spirit with undivided devotion to Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our nation, with its rulers, that God would spare to Joseph our president, our governor, and all who serve for the good of, the, of this people, that God would call to repentance those who have forgotten him, and that he would not let disaster befall us, but preserve us in peace and quietness. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all of us, that our merciful Father would turn us from every distracting anxiety and the dealings of this world, that would draw our hearts away from his blessed gospel and its end, eternal life, for confidence in the resurrection, and the peace of a clean conscience by the forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name. And that God would graciously behold and help those for whom we pray, especially Danielle, Kelly, Paul, Michelle and Rob, Frank, Burl, Jenny, Amanda, Mike, Tyler, Kelly, Debbie, Todd, Ashley, Randy, Jim, Ella, Toby, Jameson, Robin, Ken, Carrie, Aubrey, the family and heirs, and Norma. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who come to the Holy Sacrament, that the Holy Spirit would work repentance and faith in us, united in a sincere confession of his divine truth at this altar. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Hear us, Heavenly Father, for the sake of Christ Jesus our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.
thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. For when it had been from before the foundation of the world, you have made known to the nations in your Son. In him, being found the substance of our mortal nature, you have manifested the fullness of your glory. Therefore, angels and archangels, with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, and we'll praise you and say,
preserve you in true faith of the life everlasting. Go in peace. Your sins are forgiven. Amen. Thank you.